0: We're going to tackle um, the topic of contentment today. I'm going to start by asking what I consider a rather rhetorical question that is, are any of us content? And I guess by saying it's a rhetorical question, I'm answering for you. Um, But maybe it's an uncomfortable question, and if it is, uh, I apologize. But maybe if it's an uncomfortable question, that makes it an important one. If you answered no, so what would make you content? if you answered no, do whether you are content or not. I guess think for yourself, what, what, what is lacking um, that would make you content? I know it's been different things in my life. If only my health, my finances, stress in a relationship, all the common things. Um, but I think maybe as a Christian, a more important question might be, uh, should we be content? Um, wonderful time of song worship this morning. Um, But we saw lists on the screen of terrible things that exist uh, in this world right now. Should we be content? Is it right for us as Christians uh, to be content? Are we allowed to be content in a world that so lacks justice, where so many lack basic comforts, uh, a world that so hopefully and obviously just needs Jesus? I want to ask a question like that. Should Christians Anything? Uh, My mode of operation should be just to look in Scripture and find out what it says there. Um, I'm going to go through a number of verses uh, because this is not me talking. I want everything backed up in what the Bible says. Uh, Probably give you two or three verses, and then we're going to end up spending a a decent amount of time in in Philippians. Um, So take note of these verses, um, get into them yourselves, and then come back to me with uh, better observations of revelations than mine. Um, I'm going to start with uh, should Christians be content uh, 1 Timothy 6.6 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain so I think that was easy can I move back without help with the feedback I'll try this um, that was easy I think we got one right off the bat uh, if contentment at least with godliness is gain then perhaps it is right for us to be content uh, the next verse goes on to say, For we brought nothing into the world. We cannot take anything out of the world. If we have food and clothing, with these we'll, we will be content. So, we decided that it was okay that we're allowed to be content. Um, at least with godliness, a desirable mode for a Christ follower. Um, Paul says that before he goes on to condemn those that would desire worldly riches uh, and all the snares along that path. um continues to say, uh, after saying we should be content with godliness, those who desire to be rich and fall into temptation, so those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils, often misquoted verse, uh, and it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It's going to remind you that our topic is contentment. It's not a poverty gospel, but this is gospel. Um, Paul again, Corinthians two ten. Please take note. It's not my words. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. When I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul again expressing that he's content, regardless of his circumstance. Uh, his circumstance here. Uh, laid out in the previous verses in Corinthians, is he's being harassed by a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan sent to harass me. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. So so far, if Paul content in weakness, Paul's saying that we can be content. If we have food and clothing, the rest is up to God. I'd argue that food and clothing were also up to God. If we're going to be talking about contentment, I'm going to try to define what we're talking about. Um, I've spent... We had a, over, through the pandemic. This became a topic of conversation in our men's brunches, which I'll make a plug for right now. I recommend you make it to our men's brunches when they resume in the fall. Um, with everything we're going to going through at that time, talking about contentment, uh, we definitely got caught up on defining contentment, satisfaction. So we were just on the same page. So uh, a dictionary t- will tell you a feeling of being happy or satisfied. Um, the Greek word that Paul used in the Corinthians can be translated. To be pleased, so Paul, in his contentment, willingly and gladly boasting in his weakness to better glorify God, keeping himself safe from becoming conceited, he is pleased in his position of weakness and persecution, pleased with hardships, pleased with insults, pleased with insults i 've witnessed my children in the schoolyard give a very sarcastic thank you when being insulted, okay, like, hey, jubilee, your dad put on some weight during the pandemic. thank you uh. Hey, King, hey, Kingsley, you're a blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Um, they might be pleased with themselves, but I don't know if they're pleased with being insulted. But uh, Paul, content in weakness and hardship because of the sufficiency of grace, content in persecution because he doesn't have to rely on his own strength, but somehow relies on the power of Christ, and in that he is strong. And the definition for the word content used in uh, the verse we read from Timothy was a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. That's the definition I found. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. And I think it's interesting Paul would equate having food and clothing as a perfect condition of life. Well, I guess in fact he doesn't. He equates having food and clothing and godliness being content in that as a perfect condition in life. A, if I have God, then I need nothing. And not only do I, do I need nothing, but it's a gain. I have profiting. I have. If I have food and clothing and God, then I've won on uh, my head. Um, and then he goes on to oppose those who would use godliness to profit in the world. Not only is what we would refer to as prosperity gospel not new, but it was addressed in the earliest years of the church, and there's no case to be made for it. His self-sufficient, perfect condition of life is dependent entirely on the condition of godliness. I'm self-sufficient when I am relying entirely on God. Again, not a poverty gospel, not a prosperity gospel, it's just gospel. I'll give you one more before we get into uh, Philippians. In Hebrews, the writer Hebrews writes very plainly, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's enough for us. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So this idea of contentment... Was not uncommon talk in the early church. They tackled it then. So this is, this is what contentment is and, uh, and, and this is what it looks like for the Christian. His his instruction is to be content with what the Lord has provided, not waste our precious time toiling away for worldly gain. And here it would seem that a lack of contentment is related to fear. So I will be content. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I would read that as if I'm not content, I'm afraid of something. So I go back to that first question, are any of us content? And perhaps calling it a rhetorical question is a bit facetious. But answering for myself, the answer is no. Um, more so at some times than others. Uh, I'd confess I've probably spent very little of my time actually content. Um but at least from Paul and what we've read in the New Testament, this seems to read as instructions, So I want to better understand what it, what it is to be to be content. Uh, your needs are met, so be content. Uh, if, the, if the disposition of a follower of Christ is to be one of contentment, then what am I missing? Um, and we're going to dive into Philippians, which is probably the most referenced scripture when addressing contentment. It's a, Philippians, is a largely encouraging letter to a church that Paul's a great heart for. Um, Paul, uh, a church that I believe Paul was there for the, the start of with a, a band of misfits, um, a, a, a businesswoman, a former slave girl, and a prison guard, if I recall correctly, um, and uh, a church with people in such different situations. Um, we're just seeking after God. Um, I'm just going to pray quickly before we, we jump into Philippians. Uh, God, thank you for uh, your word. Um, and thank you for just entrusting me with a, a, a time to try to express uh, some of what you have in your word. Um, so God is asking for myself and all of us that our ears uh, are, will be open, our hearts are open and our eyes are on you because this is you uh, teaching us God. Um, I believe that uh, this is something that is in your word so we should we should understand it more. So God, we're just relying on you as we learn more about relying on you. Thank you, God. So Philippians uh, 4, 8 to 13. Again, write that down because I'm not making it up. Uh, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. This is Paul saying you guys were concerned for me. Um, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Another often misquoted verse or misused verse. So Paul's thanking his friends for their care and concern. This is towards the end of his letter. He's signing off. And uh, he's speaking of contentment as he writes from prison, I believe. So he's not just just saying that he's learned to be content here. I've I'm content here in prison. And says, Not only am I content, but I have learned to be content here, and I've learned to be content while facing plenty. And he seems to be giving the the same weight to uh I have Struggled and learned to rely on you, God, when I have a lot. And I've struggled and learned to rely on you, God, when I'm here in prison. And they seem to be the same the same weight for him. Um, it seems like an instruction to be content with where God has put you. Um, which I guess means I would give you a pass on being discontent if you are not where God put you. If you're in a place of disobedience, uh, hiding behind... Uh, some trees like Adam when he messed up. Um, probably a good time to be discontent. Um, if you, uh, I think we can give Jonah a pass on being discontent when he's hanging out in some fish guts. Guys who are not where God wanted them to be. So, all means be discontent. Uh, but if you're relying on God, uh, relying on Jesus in obedience, we should be content. Um, Thought comes to mind about. Genesis 2, the picture of the garden, might be the best picture we have of contentment, of people, two people, relying on God and nothing else. I think that, I think Jesus is the next best picture, the, the only better picture we get. And so these are things we should be striving towards. The first time I remember even um, touching the topic of contentment, was probably 10, 12 years ago, I was probably reading Philippians, and I was probably worrying about money. So, if you know me, so much has changed. Um. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm, I'm reminded of when I was part of a youth group a long, long time ago, and the 24-year-old youth leader was—he um, was speaking, I think, specifically about dating. But as a 24-year-old, he was saying, I'd, I'd much rather be a 24-year-old right now in probably 1996 than a 16-year-old. He's saying being a 16-year-old, when he was a 16-year-old in 88, it was easier to be a Christian um, and uh, less distractions. And if he could have seen where we were going, my goodness, um, life was simpler. Uh, there's so much vying for our attention telling us that we... Uh, literally telling us we won't be content until we have this, or do this, or achieve this. Um, I think of my grandfather, who passed away at 101 in 2017. And I often just think about how different his world was from birth to death. The uh, big technological advancement in 1917 was the light switch, the indoor light switch. Um, and then, of course, the amount of Hospital equipment he would have been exposed to towards the end of his life would have. Well, I saw a picture of myself uh, online from 2008 holding a flip phone the other day, and uh, I feel like life is twice as fast and loud as it was then. Because again, the competition for our attention is like never before. Um, we're bombarded with messages that if you don't have this, don't go to this, don't experience this. You're losing uh, unless the this, the X and that is Jesus. That message is surely wrong. Um, I don't have to explain much of this to you. You live in the world um, as I do. Um, But I was looking into uh, just how much just content is coming out these days. And I thought I knew some of these numbers. Hollywood movies per year now, we are at 700 releases a year. So if you're worried about catching up, take some peace that you can't and you won't. Um, Music is is one for me, and I I can get stressed out that I'm not going to hear all of it or touch all of it. So I thought I'd look up that number. Um, We're at about 137 million songs released a year now. And for context, 137 million songs, the average human life is 38 million minutes. Don't stress out. You can't keep up. Is a, a, a lie telling us to keep up. You can't keep up. Don't worry about it. Um, and it might not be music for you. It might not be music. It might be food blogs, Candy Crush. It's fine. Um, I mean, but I, how often? It's dated, dated, dated already. Candy Crush. The world moves fast. Um, but I, I, how many times I, I catch myself, hopefully you're better than me, just coming out of a fog that I've been staring at my phone for How long and for what? What am I dissatisfied with that has kept me just staring at my phone going, one more video, one more video, whatever it is. Um, The world knows that we're dissatisfied and is gearing things to profit off our bored and frustrated uh, dissatisfaction. It's all that to say, we are all seeking contentment. That's fine. Um, And our contentment Is important to the Lord. I don't want that to be mistaken with happiness. Our joy, our contentment is important to the Lord because it's in finding sufficiency in the Lord independent of external circumstances. If I ask you or if you ask me, is Jesus enough? Words will likely be yes. My words will definitely be yes. But do our hearts always agree? I'm not so certain so perhaps our actions more than our mind tell us what our true desire the true desires of our hearts are what do i look forward most to after work and obligations right now i'm free from work so i've got more time to decide what i'm putting my uh, giving my time to and is my default time in the word or the lord's work what am i what am i filling my time with to make myself content so, for that context, uh, I don't currently have work obligations. I spent a good long time on the creative side of advertising, so perhaps my attacks on the evils of marketing might be a little more pointed than necessary. Um, I've tried to keep that minimized in, in, in my notes here. Um, but I do believe that that distraction um, is not necessarily a cause of our dissatisfaction, but perhaps a product of it. Um, So Paul, back to him, writing about his contentment from prison. He's looking pretty good when I compare to myself on a couch scrolling through videos. Um, He's probably putting some of us to shame. So something I really appreciate about the Bible is that everyone that we would consider to be a hero of their faith of the faith has their faults recorded somewhere in Scripture to be reviewed in perpetuity. If you drop the ball or put your foot in your mouth or committed adultery or murdered somebody, um, it's 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 written here uh, forever. Um, a part of the story didn't get skipped, and it helps us with a little perspective on our own flaws and sins. It's helpful for us as it points to God being the great one and not the person. And that being said, I'm humbled when I think about contentment and just the way Paul is just... Putting it out, writing writing about contentment from prison. But I think there's some hope for us in verse 11, where he says, "Not that I'm speaking of being in need; that I've learned, in whatever situation, that I am to be content." So if that's not our default, that's okay, because it's clearly something to be learned. You don't need to wallow in guilt. If the morning that we after after we accepted Jesus into our hearts, we were forever satisfied in every waking moment. Perhaps that is part of your conversion story, and I'd I'd love to hear it. Um, praise God. So, I'm gonna go with a little bit of why is God concerned with our contentment. I'd argue simply that that which we are content in, we boast about and we glorify. Um, I've been in some dad's groups online through the, through the pandemic, most related to music, but I can tell you if somebody got comfy shoes that they could go to a concert and their back didn't hurt, they p- posted that in the group. These are, these, these shoes are great. Uh, one of the, one of the wedding parties I was in, all the guys had to buy a pair of their favorite underwear for the other guys in the group, so we could all try them out. Um, those were those, those things made us content. I was like, these, "These, I'm very happy with these, and I want to share those with you guys." Um, there are women in my life as well, and I'm aware that it's a statement that's broadly true across people everywhere that they boast about what they're content in, not just dads with shoes and underwear. Um, if you want to find out what my kid's favorite TV show is, just like. Be in the room with them for five minutes, because they will tell you, um, what's making them happy right now, because that, what we're, which we're content in, we boast about, and we glorify. Um, I went to a few concerts recently. They're gonna come up in conversation for months. I was very happy with them. Um, perhaps more elevated than underpants and cartoons, uh, John Piper, summarizing the philosophy of the Christian life, put it this way, so God is most glorified in us, when we are most satisfied in him. And I think it's just saying the same thing but better. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God is for us, but before God before God God is for us, but before that, God is for His glory. I wrote that one. He's jealous for me, and He is zealous for His glory. And I'll prove that with Scripture. Uh, Isaiah forty eight 9-11. For my name's sake, I defy my anger. I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give it to another. So for my name's sake, for the sake of my praise, for my own sake, for my own sake, how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. God is for His glory. God created us for His glory. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. That's Isaiah as well. The list goes on. I actually have a list on a sheet now of just verses where God is for His own glory. Israel was rescued for His glory, scattered for His glory. Our sins are forgiven for his glory. We have the Holy Spirit given to us for the glory of God. God is zealous for his glory. Jesus said when he answers prayer that God would be glorified. In John he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So if we boast and glorify the source of our contentment, then of course God cares about our contentment with the one condition that our contentment is only found in him, satisfied in Christ alone, our lives become a walking testimony and a sermon unto themselves. And I really believe that to be true in my own life, the times that I have been the best witness. And I've not always been the best witness. But the times I have been is when I've been living in a way that made people ask, how can you be like this right now? What is it that makes you this happy guy with all of this. Um, so, you know, why would I dare be so generous when I have little... And generous isn't necessarily money. Time is a very valuable gift. And then I was able to boast in God because my contentment is not my, my circumstance. The plenty of time, how can, you, how can you work at that place? I'm like, well, that place is just a few hours of my day. I don't care about that place. My contentment is God. So if we boast in and glorify the source of our contentment, then, of course, God cares about our contentment. In Hebrews and Timothy, we talked about gain. Godliness coupled with contentment is gain, finding my sufficiency in God, and only God is the top prize. I don't think that God cares if you have nice things. I don't think God cares if you don't have nice things. I think he cares about how faithful you are with what you are trusted with, and I'm certain that he cares about how much you care about your nice things. Or lack of nice things. I'm certain that he cares about how much you're building your treasures in heaven. There is room for rich Christians. This is not poverty gospel. The Bible also warns how hard it is for the rich man to enter heaven for a reason. So more on gain. Elsewhere in Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Whatever gain I had, I count as a loss for the sake of Christ. Christ is all that matters. Indeed, I count everything at a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings become like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So nothing I have or have had or will have can ever compare to what I have in Christ. And as a husband and as a father, that can be hard to communicate or express. There is no external influence, positive or negative, that I can love more than Christ, that is worth more than Christ, that is worthy of impacting our contentment than Christ. Christ alone. So Paul's saying everything but Christ is trash, and he's right. Uh, So then why do we seek approval and satisfaction in a world made of dust and ash? Life is Christ, and death is more Christ. So that's all I want. Life is inhaling and exhaling. Life isn't consuming either. Life is life worthy of Christ. Suffer for Christ and be content in that. Even rejoice in that. I really do want your happiness but Christ alone needs to be your contentment. And thankfully, my contentment and yours, again, is not dependent on any kind of striving. We're going to do learning, but not striving towards our own righteousness, but found in the righteousness of Christ bestowed upon us in verse 9, in the forgiveness accomplished at the cross in verse 10, in the victory completed in the resurrection in verse 10. So I think we've got the why down. The why we need to be content is for God's glory. And then the How? How in my situation could I be content? Thankfully there's actually very little of us, little for us to do, uh, and learn to be content outside of accepting what Christ has done for us and putting our faith and trust in Him. Uh, in those verses Paul says back in Philippians, I know how to be brought low. How do we learn that? The brought low he's talking about covers, he covers so much in his letter to the Corinthians where he talks about his imprisonments and his beatings. Um, and I, I won't read it just read 2 Corinthians he like about being lost at sea in the sleepless nights I don't think my low is ever going to match Paul's low but he says he went through that and learned to be content we also know that he went through places where everything was looked after and he had to learn to be content this is like um, some sort of immersion type learning uh, a schooling where you will send you into the situation and, uh, and, uh, and you have to learn it learn it there so again, all the situations are to believe Paul was content in Christ, knowing in death that he would be even more content, and he's right. If we're not content because of our situation or external circumstances, then what we're saying is Christ is not enough for us, and I will be content if I have Christ and blank. But Again, life is Christ. Death is more Christ. Life is life worthy of Christ. So focusing on the how, if we're content in Christ alone, what does it look like? and I, I guess it would have to look like Paul's um, contentment leads to further commitment and a commitment to further obedience and obedience to a greater love knowledge, understanding, revelation and a fervent desire to serve the kingdom and your brothers and sisters in Christ which I think leads to more contentment and this keeps on going um, I think being forced to slow down 2020, 2022 We'll see what the fall brings. It uh, forced a lot of people into some introspection, into what I call the geography of their circumstances. Um, and I think many have found that they were not satisfied. The number of relationships that I personally know that ended through the pandemic, staggering. Um, the number of people who just, I know, even from this church, who've moved to different cities, um, different countries. Uh, my kids lost a lot of friends as neighbors decided that they weren't actually happy living in the city. They were just too distracted to know it until now. Um, As to personal anecdotes, I'm sure we'll see data at some point, but these are people who stopped to evaluate the geography of the circumstances and said, I'm not satisfied here. I'm not content. Um, So whatever the geography of your circumstances right now, that's the place where you're, I believe, to learn to be content, again, unless you're living in Direct disobedience and not where Christ uh, as God has told you to be um, I'd warn you uh, that uh, if you're currently in a place of abundance, I think it's better to learn to rely on him now um, than where that situation might change uh, and I think the same is true for the opposite if you're in a place where you have have little you'd rather rely on him learn to rely on him now uh, than find yourself reveling in worldly excess. should your situation change Um, there's a reason that that both these things are hard comfort can be dangerous not all desires are evil it's not wrong to desire marriage, good health, health for your family and friends these are things I I pray for Uh, a community of believers to be a part of be a part of, pray for that Um, it's not evil to pursue success or even entertainment at a measured cost I have a three-hour bus ride after this. I'm going to probably watch a movie and relax. Um, But what do you do when you're dissatisfied in these things or your lack of these things? Can we be content in Christ when our circumstances are lousy or too much? Um, If we're not content and seek to find the answer as to why, I warn with confidence that the answer is ugly. And just before I try to answer for you why you might be not be completely content, um, I want to be clear that there is room for holy angst, a righteous restlessness, or a healthy ambition. It's okay to want things, while still being content in Christ. We should have a holy angst, as we're currently. If, if you're currently, li- we are currently living in the wrong place. We look to the day that the earth will shake and God will return, and making all things new. That's the place that we belong. You know, in in the garden or just with with God that's where we really belong so there is a a room for an angst and um, we've got a a new visitor today who's come from a a place that's that's really shaken Um, we know that there is much wrong with the world that we can be we can have angst about Um, but we look to the day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord and we're living under the promises of God and we're waiting on promises to be fulfilled it's okay to have angst about those things. Angst can be a good thing. There are unjust things in the world that deserve and require attention and voice, but that's not really why am I dissatisfied. Why do I so often seem to want or need something more? I think the real answer, and I'm going to, in my mind, perhaps answer for all of us, but I'll only say it as me, is the real answer is, I don't trust God enough. My heart doesn't always fully believe what my mouth so often confesses. And if it did, I would worry less. Discontent is a distrust of God and the truth of his word. I heard a yes, so I'll say it again. Discontent is a distrust of God and the truth of his word. A failure to believe that everything we need, we already have in Christ. Do I really believe that Jesus is enough? I think this is the last bit of scripture I think I'm going to pull out. But Habakkuk 3, read the whole thing. But 17 to 19, it's not that long. Um, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. And my kids don't call me, and my EI hasn't come in yet. My kids call me, they live at home. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like a deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Though I don't have X, my contentment is not contingent on the geography of my circumstance, but it is rooted in confidence in Christ, the truth that he said he is enough, so he will be enough. What are the dangers of being discontent? answer with a question, and that's how can we truly worship? And I don't mean sing songs. How can we truly worship when we are discontent? I believe discontentment can only erode our worship of God. If worship is our response to God for who he is, who he says he is, and what he has done through Jesus Christ, then I believe our discontentment is at odds with worship. If we're praising God with our actions, and saying we're doing this because of who you are, but then not trusting him, then we're not really believing he said who he is. So if I'm not content in Christ, how can I become that? Philippians says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's not worldly accomplishment, though it could be. Jesus is where our contentment lies, and Jesus is also the means to find our contentment through him. Again, it's probably the most misquoted and taken out of context verse in the Bible, but it doesn't mean it's not true. In seeking to learn to better rely on Christ, it's Christ that we rely on. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So Jesus is saying, ask for it. Jesus pray right now, Jesus, show me how to abide in you. I repent for my distrust. I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus, show me how to abide in you. Rely on you, find my contentment in you. Contentment is not complacency, laziness. Paul says, I'm pressing on that I might know him. But in that pressing on, it's Christ that we find our strength to press on. So Jesus has given us the word. He provides. He takes away distractions and idols. He reveals himself. He's given us grace. He's the hope of our salvation. And I repent for the places I've not yet learned to trust wholly in you, God, and urge all of us to pray that he would reveal the selfish areas of our lives that require repentance. So what next? I think we've got a, a why and a how. I want to be able to boast in my weakness. So my recommendation is to ask Jesus to reveal himself to you in a way that you can understand that he is enough. And then if we are content in Christ alone, I'd argue, we will not be satisfied with enough of him. In contentment, our heart's desire to know him more only grows. Our chasing after the things of the Spirit will grow more fervent, and our desire to serve and show our love for him will only increase And if not, then there's a holy discontentment as evidence of Christ in you if you're not satisfied. That conviction of the Holy Spirit is evidence that His grace, it's evidence of His grace, so press on. Align yourself with those in your community and allow others to come alongside you. Preach the gospel to yourself. Meditate on Christ's death and resurrection, on forgiveness, justification, adoption, reconciliation, the reality of your place in eternity, I say let the place, your place in eternity become the geography of your circumstance. Your adopted child of God be your reality. If our mindset is on eternity, then this moment matters not. So be content. And if not, seek contentment. I think that's where I'm just going to pray and wrap up. God, I invite you to test our hearts. Show us where we may have built a crutch or a life raft and not trusted you fully. Show us the places where we have failed to say Christ is enough, or we've said it but we've not meant it, where we've failed to understand that Christ is enough. And God, let us be open about that With you, with ourselves, and with each other. We thank you for community. This is something you've built for us. Places that we can, we can learn strength from each other. And God, we know we're never going to stop learning. And we thank you that we have your word to come back to, and come back to, and come back to. There's no end to the goodness of your word. God, teach us to be content so we can be just so much more of what you want us to be. Thank you, God.